Hi everyone, my name is Sofia Huerta and I play professional soccer for the OL Reign and you are listening to Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 104 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. It is your primary host Charles Hammaker as always. Uh, today we have a pretty packed house, pretty packed house of information to go over. Um, obviously the Seahawks, Mariners, Sounders, uh, Storm, got some stuff there, um, but also uh, big, big news in NWS, NWSL. Um, so there's a lot to go on about, a lot to look at. So we should uh, just kind of get into it as per usual. Uh, looking at our Seahawks here in week four, it took on the Santa Clara 49ers down on the road, down in Levi Stadium. Uh, they would win that game 28 to 21. Overall, it was an ugly game. I will say it was an ugly game. Got off to a rough start. Uh, five punts in the first half, five three and outs. Um, offense still has a lot to figure out. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, after the game, I wasn't really able to watch this game just because I was working the Mariners game. Um, it was interesting to note that um, apparently <laughs> the offense kind of stalled out and then they let Russell Wilson start calling plays and then they started scoring points that, you know, wonder what that's about. Um, yeah. Offense has a lot to figure out. Uh, the two touchdowns that they scored in the third quarter helped um, scored a touchdown. And then when they had the following kickoff, uh, they were able to recover a fumble linebacker, John Radigan, the rookie out of army uh, recovered that fumble uh, down in the red zone. Um, and then the Seahawks were able to capitalize off that. So still able, I mean, that third quarter helped, but, you know, overall still a lot to um, work on for this offense. You know, it is week four, the 17 game season this year. Um, but yeah, only 234 yards of offense is concerning and it's something that, you know, you need to get better at, especially, you know, when you're going to be playing in a division with Arizona, with the, the Rams, uh, and you're playing certain teams uh, down the stretch, and you want to make a playoff run. You got to your offense has got to be capable, especially when you've got the talent that you do uh, on this step chart offensively. So, still, still a work in progress, obviously. Um, the defense was very bend but don't break. I don't like saying that just because you know I, I'd like to have my defense be a little more dominant, but um, they were bend but don't break. They gave up. 457 yards of offense, um, 457 yards of offense. Um, but outside of the garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter that made it a 21-point game for the Niners, um, they only gave up two touchdowns to an offense that does have a lot of talent. Uh, Jimmy G did go out in his, this game, and Trey Lance did come in, but this is a team that has good talent on offense, and Kyle Shanahan's not – completely bad i mean i'm not going to tell you he's a good coach because i don't think he's a good coach but um you know the defense uh points wise did improve here um alex collins i believe has really solidified himself as the second running back on the depth chart and i you know i don't you'd be really really um mistaken whoa that was weird you'd be really mistaken to give um rashad penny the starting spot when he gets back it doesn't make any sense Simply because he cannot stay healthy and Alex Collins has outperformed him uh, since preseason. So as I talked about with the guys in the off season here, leading up to the regular season, uh, you'd be hard pressed to me at least to give 
Rashad Penny a starting spot or, you know, much of a spot at all in this roster simply because of the fact that he cannot stay on the field. And when he stays on the field, he's not productive. So it's uh, that's an issue. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, since the preseason, Alex Collins has showed out. He's really performed well. Um, and he's performed well enough to be second on the depth chart in the running back room. So uh, hoping that we can see that sort of change. And more than likely, this will be Seattle's uh, final year having Rashad Penny on the roster. I would imagine I would really, really blown away to see the name Penny on the depth chart um, going into 2022-2023 season. Um, Russell Wilson became the fastest quarterback uh, to 100 wins. He does so uh, in 10 seasons and four games. It's hard for me to believe that Russell's been in the league for 10 seasons, but man, it's pretty insane. Um, Well, yeah, Russell becomes the fastest quarterback to 100 wins. That is really cool to see. Uh, and we are, you know, it's stuff like that makes it so crucial that you surround Russell with the right talent and the, um, you do your best to capitalize on the window that you've got him for. Um, I know I saw some cries, you know, oh, the whole line still sucks. Well, you're starting right tackles out, uh, and you're dealing with injuries. When you deal with injuries, it's going to happen. You know, you're not going to have all stars, uh, all pros on the depth chart all the way down you know, through the second and third spots. It's not going to happen. Um, so that's a little ridiculous to me. I think they're going to be fine. Um, but yeah, overall, kind of an ugly win, but those divisional games tend to be ugly wins. You know, play the Niners. Um, this is a team that has been a thorn in your, your ass, effectively, for the longest time. Um, but you still own them. You still own them. Uh, Russell Wilson effectively owns them. Um, but yes, every team in every division has the possibility to give the top dogs in that league, that division a fight. doesn't matter. You know, if you're playing the basement team in that division, they will more than likely give you a fight still. So um, it's expected. It's expected. I expect, um, I always expect this sort of fight from division games. So I'm not really surprised about it. Really don't, you know, it's outside of like the, the game that we blew up the Cardinals 58 to nothing or whatever years ago, you really don't see division games getting that much of a blowout um, or that lopsided because, you know, normally you draft to you draft and you build your roster around beating your division and winning your division, ideally. So um getting into stat leaders russell wilson led the passing of course with 16 completions at 23 yards 149 yards for him down uh compared to his previous totals in previous games and two touching passing touchdowns alex collins had 10 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown there he was a leading rusher which is a little bit surprising 44 yards did you know that in 20 you know 22 straight games the seahawks have not had a 100 yard rusher that goes back to 2019 that is a little bit insane uh, receiving wise, DK Metcalf led with four receptions for 65 yards and one touchdown. Tackles wise, Bobby Lack- Wagner led with 10, uh, 10 total and five solo. He had one pass deflection in addition to that. And then turnover wise, we do have some turnovers to report. As I mentioned, obviously, linebacker John Radigan had a fumble recovery earlier in the game in the third quarter. And Quandre Diggs had an interception. So let's see, I get their first interception of the year finally. That is good to see. 
Um, so for offensive and defensive MVPs, it's kind of tough because offense kind of stalled and the defense didn't really have a stellar performance. But, I mean, I guess you could really go with the standout players per usual. Russell Wilson had a great play uh, to throw the to get his passing touchdown to Freddie Swain, spun out of a sack. And, you know, Houdini-esque fashion is Russell Wilson. I'm not surprised entirely. I'm just amazed more so. Um, and then Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is, you know, again, as I said a few weeks ago, you're watching a Hall of Fame talent week in and week out, and it's truly a blessing. Um, yeah, but not no really, like, Nobody that really stood out, stood out. Guys that you say, wow, he had a great week. Um, just overall, you know, those guys, you know, their value transcends, you know, anybody who would replace them. So uh, in injury news, the least favorite part of the show for any team that we go over here on Circling Sales Sports. Uh, September 29th, tight end Gerald Everett was placed on the reserves as COVID-19 list uh, with a positive test. Uh, he would have needed two negative tests to be able to play in this game. And he still is able to play for Thursday, but we still have to get to that first. Um, uh, game day inactives for the game against the 49ers. D. Eskridge is still battling that concussion. Uh, so working to get back from that, still trying to get away uh, from all those different symptoms there. So he was held out of this game. Uh, linebacker Benson Mayo is still dealing with a neck injury. That's serious, something to do uh, to keep an eye on and monitor, really, because, you know, neck is very important, you know, for anybody who doesn't know that. Cornerback uh, John Reed was inactive. Tackle Brandon Shell still out. Your starting right tackle still out. Uh, his replacement, Jamarco Jones, was also going to miss this game as he felt ill. Um, uh, He felt ill on Saturday and Sunday morning, uh, not COVID-related, so they held him out of this game. Uh, and Cedric Ogbwehi, who we will talk about here in a minute, uh, started in right tackle for that spot. Um, and then defensive end LJ Collier was a healthy scratch for this game. Uh, as we talked about in week one uh, against the Colts, when you've got the D-line depth that you do, uh, you're more than likely going to have to leave one guy off of the roster uh, for the game. And that was the case with Collier here, uh, again, not being able to uh, get up for that game, not being able to, I guess, push anybody out um, for that spot. On October 2nd, the team placed Rashad Penny on injured reserve. Uh, October 3rd, uh, the day of the game, linebacker Cody Barton left the game with a ribs injury. Uh, tackle Jamarco Jones, as I said, you know, supposed to start a right tackle this game, felt ill on Saturday and Sunday morning. Cedric Obwe, he started against the Niners. And then defensive end Carlos Dunlap jammed his toe, dealing with some turf toe there. Uh, his status for Thursday is up in the air, but uh, he is able to – It's it's. Uh, I'd say he's questionable right now. I wouldn't say doubtful. I'd say he's more questionable at this current time. Um, team notes on September 28th, the team signed defensive tackle Robert Nkambichi off of the practice squad, squad to the main roster waving quarterback Jake Luton in the process to make room for uh, Nkemdichi. Uh, on September 29th, the team signed wide receiver Philip Dorsett, tight end Ryan Izzo, quarterback Jake Luton to the practice squad. Um, and then October 2nd, tev- tight end Kobe Parkinson and tackle Cedric Ogbwehi were both activated from IR. So Ogbwehi coming off of IR to start in right tackle for the game there. 
um, on October 4th, uh, Brandon Shell was well, we have some guys reporting to practice here. Brandon Shell, Trey Brown, D. Eskridge all returned from practice, returned to practice after not being in practice the previous week. Um, their statuses for Thursday are unsure at the moment. Uh, Trey Brown designated to return to practice off of injury reserve. So good to see your uh, rookie corner, you know, get with the team, get practicing after dealing with an injury. Um, yeah, so both. The status for Shell and uh, D. Eskridge, that's their statuses are currently unsure for this game against Thursday. Game on Thursday against the Rams. Uh, and then there is a chance that Gerald Everett could play on Thursday against the Rams. He would just need a second negative test um, prior to the game to help him do that. And also a note from the game, uh, Ryan Neal got some his first defensive snaps. Uh, in the game against the 49ers and made an impact. So expect to see Ryan Neal's name uh, during the games more as he made an impact and the coaches were happy to see that. In league-related news, the Super Bowl LVI halftime show was named uh, for the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. The set list will feature Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, and Mary J. Blige. So a big, uh, big names really going to take the stage for the halftime show. I will admit I'm not the biggest halftime show person. I know some people will only watch the Super Bowl for the halftime. And that is something that, you know, some people will pay a lot of attention to, even if they're watching the game as well. Uh, I don't know. It's fine. Uh, but they've sometimes I feel like they're doing too much. But that's just my own personal opinion. The team sits at a two and two record. They are third in the NFC West now, surpassing the Niners, sending the Niners to the basement of the division. In week five on October 7th, they will take on the LA Rams at 5.20 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday night football wearing their action green uniforms. So big matchup there going into this week. Uh, you know, you're playing a big game against the 49ers because you don't want to go one and three, uh, as well as the fact that, you know, after that game, you got short rest against the Rams of all people. So uh, it's a big week for the Seahawks, uh, and it's important that they are able to find a way to beat this Rams team because, if you want to win the division, if you want to make the playoffs, if you want to maximize Russell Wilson's you know, Super Bowl window, you're going to have to find ways to beat these teams in the division, especially when they're going to be, you know, they're not easy teams. Um, transitioning into our Seattle Mariners baseball club, they played a very important final week of the season here, all the way going down to game 162 on September 27th versus the Oakland Athletics. They would win that game 13-4. to uh, I had split players of the game here. I had both first baseman Ty France and right fielder Mitch Hanniger. Ty France had four hits, three runs, four RBIs, and a walk. Mitch Hanniger had two hits, two runs, and six RBIs. September 28th versus the Oakland Athletics, they would win that game 4-2. to two. Player of the game would be designated hitter uh, Luis Torrens with three hits and one run. September 29th versus the Oakland Athletics in a game that would end the Oakland Athletics playoff contention. They would win that game four to two. Play of the game would be center fielder Jared Kelnick with one hit and two RBIs. So eliminating the athletics from playoff contention, that's always nice um, and really cool to see. Uh, but the, the Mariners sweep the athletics, something they needed to do to continue their season. Um, October 1st versus the Anaheim Angels, an important three-game stretch uh, in front of 44,000-plus. They would lose that game, the first game of the series, two to one. Um, player of the game would be center fielder Jared Kelnick with uh, one hit and one RBI. October 2nd versus the Angels on a must-win game. They would win that game in front of 44,000. 
uh, six to four. Player of the game would be for right fielder Mitch Hanager with four hits, five RBIs, and one run. Mitch would effectively, you know, will the team uh, to win that game. Huge game for Hanager there, uh, setting up, you know, the most meaningful game 162 in a long time for the Mariners uh, on October 3rd versus the Angels, but they would lose that game seven to three. Uh, player of the game would be center fielder Jared Kelnick with two hits, one run, and one RBI. Uh, the Mariners needed the Boston and the Yankee and or the Yankees to lose on that day uh, to be able to. Um, hmm? Hold on. Oh, come on, man. Uh, I hate when people do the reply all thing. Um, anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, they needed Boston or New York to lose that day in order to and the Mariners to win in order to uh, be able to continue their season to play a tie uh, play in game. I think if both New York and Boston had lost, then they would have been given an automatic playoff spot. But uh, neither of those things happen. Uh, both New York and Boston would win their games as the Mariners game was in progress. Uh, and so then it was, you know, known that the game that the Mariners were playing did not have any, you know, purpose anymore because, you know, they're, even if they won, there was no way that their season could continue past game 162. So um, sucks that that happened that way. You know, this team uh, brought so much hope this year and, such a wild ride but it is uh, as I've preached for you know about two years now this is all about the future um, I never really had the Mariners going to the playoffs this year would it have been something that would be a pleasant surprise for me yeah it would have would I have taken it of course but uh, I have always had them going to the playoffs in 2022 so that is next year this team has outperformed my expectations I didn't expect them to win 90 games um and even, you know, people would consider me the optimistic person uh, in this fan base. Um, but this is team overperformed this clubhouse, you know, all this bullshit after the trade of Braveman, you know, that the clubhouse was ruined or whatever. You know, it's this is a special group of men. Um, and it's it's very important that this offseason, the proper resources are allocated to bring in some guys that will help this lineup, that will help this ball club. Um, make the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. Um, you know, then we can look at, you know, World Series and all that stuff. But um, this is a very solid foundation to build off of. And it's, it's exciting. It's very exciting to look at and to think, hey, we're on, we're on the, the little tip of the iceberg here. Um, so I am not sad i'm not upset i am more so just looking towards it as this was a great year this was a very fun year to be with the team to watch the team and to just be part of something so special um and i'm i'm really glad that we were able to pack the house the last three games uh to have forty four thousand in the house you know friday saturday sunday it was incredible um did it suck to lose two of those three games with full house yeah it did suck um but i'm not gonna dwell on it like that it was it was great to see um and just really happy to have that have happened um and excited to see what this you know one of the youngest ball clubs in the league 
uh, what they can do, you know, with some more help with an off season of training, an off season uh, to get better with a spring training. So it's all very exciting and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, for player of the week, I feel like it was quite obvious if you watched the games this past week, right fielder Mitch Hanniger was absolutely out of his mind uh, playing these games, you know, effectively willing the team uh, on to continue throughout their playoff to, you know, to a playoff push uh, and a 60 uh, and six games played in 25 at bats. Mitch had eight hits, five runs, four homers, 12 RBIs, 20 total bases, two walks, a 320 batting average, a 370 on base percentage, an 800 slugging percentage, and a 1.170 on base plus slugging percentage. Mitch did all he could. And, you know, I've been bullish on Mitch. I really have. Wasn't sure that he was going to be a guy that was, you know, with the ball club uh, past the trade deadline. Uh, I've just been skeptical. I will admit I've been skeptical, but, you know, for his performance through the year, and um, for that last week, I think that Mitch has earned himself uh, an extension. So we will see. We will see. It's a very big offseason for the Mariners front office. It will be very crucial to see what this front office, what the front office personnel does, you know, not only adding players, but also retaining some players as well. So very important offseason. I cannot emphasize that enough. The Mariners end the season with a 90 and 72 record, 90 games for the first time since 2003. Uh, very impressive to see that. I mean, man, that is cool to see. Um, they finished second in the AOS. So that is also cool to see. Uh, down Oakland, it would have been nice to win the division. But uh, I mean, they were still in the division race in the last week of the season. It was an unlikely, but uh, it was it was still a possibility. Um no injury news to report over the final week of the season. Um, there is team news, though. On September 28th, Matt Brash was called up to the Major League Club um, after being transferred to AAA Tacoma. Uh, and then major MILB awards were announced for the Mariners Ball Club, the organization itself. Um, right-handed pitcher Isaiah Campbell from High A-Ball. Outfielder Jack Larson from Double A. Outfielder Cade Marlowe from High A-Ball. Uh, outfielder Julio Rodriguez from Double A Ball, uh, right-handed pitcher David Ellingson from Double A, and right-handed pitcher Matt Brash from Double A were all honored uh, for different respective awards by the organization. You know, for their years, uh, for their yeah, their year this year uh, in the minor league system for the Mariners. So congratulations to those guys, and certainly some names on there that we will more than likely see. You know, with the major league club at some point. Um, brash the most likely to see i would say um soonest there we go september 30th right-handed pitcher matt andres was cleared uh, cleared waivers and elected free agency so best of luck to andres in free agency um october 2nd infielder donovan walton was recalled from triple a tacoma and right-handed pitcher wet riot mills uh, was optioned to triple a tacoma uh and then right-handed pitcher andres munoz uh, a player from the big San Diego Padres trade for Aaron Nola uh, that also netted us Taylor Trammell and Ty France plus Luis Terenz uh, was reinstated from the 60-day injury list. Seattle's season, uh, you know, on the third ended. In the last game of the season, playoff drought extends to 20 years, but hope is very close and on the horizon. Um, they needed to win, as I mentioned, plus a Boston or New York loss. None of those things happened. 
and third baseman Kyle Seager likely played his final game in a Mariners uniform. Um, if you've been following this club and you've found the show, you know, since the offseason, you'll know that uh, Kevin Mather spoke ill of Seager, effectively called him old, um, as well as, you know, Seager's option jumping up to $20 million with uh, his plate appearances hitting a certain number. Uh, some factors like that, more than likely the reason why we will not see Seager back next year. Uh, I know that, you know, there is a very small chance that he could come back as well as the fact that he could retire. But at this moment, you know, we are the day removed, no, two days removed um, from the end of the season. So, you know, more than likely we won't know until a little bit later. Uh, so all I can do as I did, you know, Sunday at the stadium is tip my cap to Kyle Seeger, um, an incredible, you know, player uh, on and off the field, uh, you know, in and out of the clubhouse, a guy that truly made an impact. And you could tell with the reception that he got. Um, just uh, incredible, incredible Mariner, easily the best Mariner third baseman in the history of the franchise. And, you know, if you want to argue about it, we can, but you're wrong. So, you know, again, feel free. Um, but just uh, incredible to see uh, the reception that he got after the game and the ovation that he got when he was taken out of the game once we knew that this club wasn't going to be able to make the playoffs. Um, but, you know, we'll speak about it more in the uh, season recap next week. So with all that being said, the Mariners will have around $32.7 million in obligated payroll if they do not pick up Seager's option. And if you say Kikuchi uh, accepts his player option, they should have around $130 million to spend without going over the luxury tax this offseason. So big money to be able to spend on, um, but it, it all comes down to effectively will they spend that money and who they will spend that money on. Um so, man, what a season. What a season. Uh, what a time. Just, uh, you know, not exactly the result that we wanted knowing that we were that close, but um, still a lot of fun. Still really great to cover and look at. And obviously excited for next year, as I mentioned. Um, in league-related news, the league's longest tenure, tenured MLB umpire is retiring Joe West, who, if you know baseball, you know that that's a controversial name, uh, will retire after the playoffs with the record for most MLB games umpired. Um, so I guess happy retirement to Joe West. Um, so looking ahead for the Mariners, um, They do not have a game, obviously. Um, do not have a game, but we will have the end of season, regular season recap coming for you next week. This is your time to go and check out Homs Seattle. Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. 
Hum Seattle is H O M S S E A T T L E dot com. Uh, heading into our Seattle Sounders, uh, and over the past week, they played two games here, uh, two important Western Conference matchups. Uh, September 29th at the San Jose Earthquakes, that would win that game three to one. Player of the game would be Raul Ruiz Diaz with two goals on two shots, two of them being on target with an 80% pass percentage. October 3rd versus the Colorado Rapids, that would win that game three to nothing. Player of the game would be Jao Paulo with one goal on two shots, two on target, and one assist with an 80% pass percentage. If you have the time, or if you've already seen it, you know uh, how incredible that goal was from Jao Paulo. So go check that out if you're available, uh, able to do so. Pardon me. Um, in that game, also Christian Roldan extended his goal scoring streak to four games, and the Sounders started hot early with a second minute goal, and then all three goals being scored in the first half. Um, and both Roldan and Paulo were named to the MLS Team of the Week for the week, so very cool there. Uh, no injury news to report, no team notes. Um, the record now sits at 16 wins, six draws, and five losses. They are still first in the Western Conference uh, by a, a little bit of a narrow margin here. A um, little bit of a narrow margin. Uh, second, in the ML, second in the MLS in points and 54. Uh, their next matchup is October 9th versus the Vancouver Whiteouts, Whitecaps um, here at home. Heading into our Seattle Storm news, we will have an off-season, uh, no, a season recap uh, for you next week. So we'll have the Mariners season recap and the Storm season recap here next week. Uh, but in team-related notes, we do have some things to go over uh, in exit interviews, questions, and answers from the players here. Uh, first, Brianna Stewart, uh, in talking for her extra interview, said that Seattle has always been my home. Um I plan on being back unless something crazy happens. We have unfinished business. Uh, Stewie said regarding her being a free agent next season. Um, Jewel Lloyd also spoke. She said, I'm going to take a break, talk with my family, talk with Stewie, reevaluate my life and my career uh, in regards to her upcoming free agency and her off season. So Jewel is going to take some time to figure some things out. Uh, Young, Big from Australia, Izzy Magbagors identified some different things she, that she wanted to improve this offseason. She identified shooting from range, on-ball defense, low-post defense, uh, and finishing at the rim as areas that she wants to improve on this offseason. Um, Jordan Canada spoke also. She said, I love this organization. I would love to be here. I want to stay here if possible. If there's other opportunities out there, I will explore them. So you know, taking that into account, as well as the fact that Sue Bird may potentially retire, Jordan Canada will be a key piece for the Storm to retain this offseason. Um, Coach Noel Quinn spoke also. She spoke on a number of things, but we'll get through that. Uh, she said that she loves Jewel Lloyd and wants her on the team, but acknowledges that Lloyd needs her space and time to figure out what is best for herself. She spoke about how Climate Pledge Arena uh, when they get into the building can be used as a recruiting tactic to attract free agents to Seattle moving forward. The arena, arena will be one of, if not the best in the WNBA when it is all settled and ready. Uh, and she said she will join some NBA teams or visit with them this offseason to continue to learn more from the game, growing and building as a coach. So, so uh, it's a big offseason for the storm here, you know, coming off of a, a good year, a hot start. Uh, firstly, um, but also the fact that 
there are some things to improve. There are some things that you have to look at this offseason, especially regarding free agents. So it's a big offseason. Uh, and then this was a key piece of information that I saw here. Um, the Seattle City Council approved a zoning change, uh, 9-0. I don't know if that means anything. I'm not big on zoning changes. That opens the door for a new Seattle Storm training facility at Inner Bay. So interesting to note. I know the Storm typically train at SPU. Um, so for them to have their own training facility, that is very interesting. And for it to be so close to me, uh, you know, in Interbay, it's uh, something to something of note, I would say. Um, so no league notes, no record of standings for you. Uh, looking ahead, we do have the season recap coming up for you next week. So keep an eye out for that. Um, this is your time to check out Maestro Athletics. It's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S, Maestro Athletics. They do still have some of their Maestro uh, crew neck and hoodie available, I believe, as well as some of the hats. So if you've got the time to check that out, I would go check that out. Uh, it was also cool to see some of the hats, uh, the Mariners hats they had. I saw them during the game. So that is really cool to note. Uh, big ups to Maestro on that. Moving on from soccer and then into hockey, uh, your Seattle Kraken are still in the preseason here. Uh, they had a flurry of matches, uh, and I don't say flurry to talk about, you know, either of the flurries that we have on the team. Um, September 28th versus the Edmonton Oilers, they would lose that game 6 to nothing. We're going to avoid that game. Uh, September 29th at the Calgary Flames, they would win that game 4-3. to three. Player of the game would be Jaden Schwartz with two goals and one assist. Uh, October 1st versus the Edmonton Oilers. They would win that game 2-1, to one, so a much better result this time around. Uh, player of the game would be Mark Giordano with two assists, so props to Mark there. Uh, October 2nd versus the Calgary Flames. They would lose that game 4-1. to one. Player of the game would be Vince Dunn with one goal. Uh, their team, So the preseason record sits at three wins and two losses. Um, no standing, obviously, because it's preseason, so I don't think it matters to have, you know, like standings. Uh, injury-related news. So Yanni Gord, the draft pick that we've got from Tampa Bay Lightning, switched from a non-contact jersey in practice to a half-contact hybrid. So that's pretty important to note. Yanni Gord's a guy that we knew was going to be injured, you know, to start the season off. But, you know, for him to switch from non-contact at all to a little bit of contact, it's, uh, it's good to see. Uh, and then Colin Blackwell is still day-to-day, and it's becoming unlikely that he will play in the season opener. Uh, in team-related news, the team sent a group of players down to the minors. That would include Anton Benbois, Connor Carrick, Kale Fleury, Gustav Olofsson, Luke Henman, Ryan Winterton, Jacob Melanson, and Riker Evans. Some players were released from the team. Scott Wilson, Francis Marotte, Cole McKay, Ryan Lohan, Ty Carty, and Brent Gates. And then two players were placed on waivers. Alexander True and Carson Torinsky. If they clear waivers, then they will be assigned to the minor league. Uh, and also, the team signed Max McCormick to a free agent deal. So, some things going on here. Uh, definitely, over the past next week, the next few weeks, we will see this roster continue to uh, effectively round out as the season continues to approach. So, no league news for you. Uh, looking ahead, uh, October 5th, the team will travel to Vancouver to play the Canucks. And that will be one of the last preseason games that this team plays. So very important note there. So getting into your oil rain and NWSL news here, it's a big week. So just bear with me. Um, there's a lot to go over here. 
And it's very important to know um, just considering what's going on. And, you know, if you support women, if you feel like you truly support women, uh, it's very important to know what's going on in the national women's soccer league here. So uh, this, the rain would have had a match against the Portland thorns here uh, this past weekend. It would have been big for a lot of reasons, simply because if the rain would have won that match, they would have jumped Portland for the number one spot. But what's more important, uh, we'll get to that. Um, so the match was postponed following the news, the assault by Paul Riley. Um, it's not news, really. It's This has been knowledge is known. Uh, it's just effectively been silenced by the league. Um, uh, so it, it's more so news about it, him not being held accountable is more so what I would say. Um, former Commissioner Lisa Baird of the NWSL resigned. The search for a permanent commissioner is underway. The executive committee that will oversee the league's front office operations until then includes Amanda Duffy with the Orlando Pride, Angie Long with the Kansas City NWSL program, I mean, franchise, and Sophie Savage uh, representing the Old Reign. Baird will also step down from the U.S. Soccer Board. Um, so, uh, in a statement from the league, the league released this big, long statement. The league is immediately launching several critical investigative and reform initiatives to protect players and staff and the environment in which athletes live, train, and compete to give athletes the agency and ability to safely report misconduct of any form. The league has retained Covington and Burling to oversee these investigations and make recommendations for reforms. Um, Amanda Kramer, former assistant United States attorney in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, will lead the firm's team and will report directly to the NWSL's board, newly formed executive committee. Committee. Uh, these initiatives include an independent review of practices and policies at the league and club levels, including workplace policies for each club in the league, league-mandated anti-discrimination and anti-harassment policy, and processes for identifying, investigating, and enforcing violations of these policies to identify and reform deficiencies. The league will work with the Players Association to ensure that the results of this team, these team and, play, uh, and league reviews will serve as a roadmap to ensure safe environments for players and staff, comprehensive policies and procedures created for the league, and all members member clubs to ensure moving forward that there is a systematic transparent and effective execution of any harassment or workplace conduct issues a reopening of the 2015 investigation regarding former nwsl coach paul riley uh, including a review of the circumstances surrounding his departure from the portland thorns fc club and his subsequent hiring by the western new york flash and the north carolina courage so you can see there that despite the uh, allegations against Riley, uh, you know, being fired from Portland, he was then picked up by New York and then by the courage who he was still coaching until this past weekend. So in, uh, just incredible to know that that was even happening and um, truly heartbreaking, but we still have the rest of the statement to get through. So let's continue through that. Uh, a review of the available investigative records related to all historical complaints of discrimination harassment or abuse, physical, emotional, or sexual in the NWSL um, and where necessary, a reopening of the respective investigation or the initiation of a new adjunction, ad, adjudication progress um, process, pardon me, 
the continuation of ongoing investigations initiated under the NWSL's current anti-harassment policy um, and the recommendation of sanctions where appropriate. In addition to the above mentioned initiatives uh, that have been, I just read to you there, um, the NWSL's and the NWSL's current reporting avenues outlined in the league's anti-harassment policy in detailed the league has partnered with Real Response, the leading secure, um, leading secure, whoa, leading secure and anonymous reporting platform for sports teams and organizations, players, former players, staff, former staff, and anyone with direct knowledge of or witness to misconduct in any form within the NWSL will have the ability to anonymously report all issues in regard to their health and safety. The contact information will be made available to current players and staff. So in response to this long statement that was given by the NWSL that was published by the league itself, uh, Alex Morgan, amongst others, um, effectively said this is not enough, uh, that more needs to be done. Uh, the league, the players want more transparency. Um, in response to this transparency, uh, Merritt Paulson, the owner of the Portland Thorns, regrets the manner that they fired that they yeah they fired Riley in stating that they should have been more transparent about his dismissal and the reasoning for that so this is a big deal this is a very big deal there has been you know sexual abuse mental abuse physical abuse happening in this league um and there you know men and women have kept their mouths quiet about it um mm-hmm. so it's very big for these players uh and mm-hmm. you know Obviously, there's you know a lot going on in this league, you know, just going on uh, around the game itself. But what's more important, what takes precedent right now, are these issues. Uh, so it's very important that we are able to protect these players, because outside of the fact that they're you know they're athletes and they play this game, this sport, they they are human beings, okay. And you know it's it's very discouraging to see, you know, comments left on social media. Oh. Uh, people rolling their eyes systemic you know they're like saying systemic sarcastically if if you had a daughter you know and you she was playing in this league and she was sexually assaulted would you really be rolling your eyes would you still be you know reacting the way you are on these social media pages i fucking doubt it so it's it's this old it's 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 just I don't need to go into a tirade about it. You need to protect your players. You need to stand behind these women. If you are a supporter of soccer or a supporter of women at all, you need to be paying to the NWSL, paying attention to NWSL, not just for this, but just, you know, to watch this league as a whole to support these women. Uh, Similar to WNBA, the WNBA has been taking some great strides in viewership and popularity, and that's good. But, you know, I know soccer is a sport also similar to basketball in a way. Uh, I'd say more so soccer that takes worldwide popularity. And I know that there are several people out there who support the Sounders here in Seattle uh, and that are women. And I feel like you need to support the rain as well in the NWSL. Um, So it'll be interesting to uh, follow that story as it continues to see what happens with Riley, as well as what happens with the league itself and how it holds itself accountable for what has taken place. Because uh, when I, I, I say that, I mean that Baird, the former commissioner, 
was emailed several times about misconduct that took place, uh, assault that took place with Riley, and she effectively shook it off like nothing happened. Um, that is incredibly scary, and I, I, you know, I can only imagine what these women have gone through. So, um, best wishes to the women that were affected, um, and I hope that we can see this league really improve itself. Um, following this i wish it would have been done anyway not having to follow a major investigation but um yes something to follow and my heart goes out to these women in this league um so the team still sits at 10 wins one draw and seven lot no two draws and seven losses i don't know why i have one there um second in the league with 32 points uh, in league-related news, uh, outside of what I just read to you, uh, U.S. Soccer confirms the launch of independent investigation into misconduct allegations against Riley. And the NWSL banned Richie Burke, former Washington Spirit coach, after investigation into allegations of player abuse. The Spirit co-owner, Y. Michelle Yang, um, has called for majority owner and CEO Steve Baldwin to step down and sell his shares in the team. So there's a lot going on with Washington as well in response in regard to um, what I just read to you. So looking ahead, the match against Portland will be played at a later date. Uh, the next scheduled match for the rain is October 10th versus Chicago. So big week um, still going on here for your rain. Uh, don't have exactly supersonics news, but it is NBA related. And I will mention that just because it may shape what we may see from different leagues, uh, the NBA pay may be impacted for those who are unvaccinated. The NBA uh, will not pay unvaccinated players uh, for every game that is missed due to COVID-19 protocols. So that is pretty big to note. Uh, your play pay is being inf- impacted there. So to wrap up with UW Athletics here, we do have a good amount of athletics to get through. So when I say wrap up, I don't mean like we're done now, but there is, is the final segment of the show. Um, in college-related news, San Diego State and Boise State are staying in the Mountain West for the time being, but they are hoping for Big 12 or Pac-12 interest in the future. So that's something interesting to note. Uh, the National Labor Relations Board says that all college athletes are employees uh, of their universities and are afforded uh, certain protections. So that is something to note also in relation sort of to the NIL and college athletes getting paid and such. Um the National Labor Relations Board. That's that's pretty big. Uh, and then potential conference realignments um, and no agreements on a formalized format may impact the timetable for a 12-team playoff. So something I really think that would help college uh, college football and you know would bring in more revenue and more spotlight for players too. Uh, something like that is going to be put on hold. I don't know. I think they should expand the playoff, but. That's just my opinion, at least. Uh, I know that there are some people that agree about that. And at least the only disagreement that I've seen is from some of the owners. Cause I don't know why. I don't know why some of the, uh, not the owners, some of the coaches disagree. I don't know why you would do that. I don't know why you disagree with that. That's just kind of weird to me. Um, heading into football here, the football team traveled down to Corvallis to play Oregon State. They would lose that game 24 to 27. Uh, the second half fumble on the team's own goal line really was a turning point to me uh, to fumble on your own goal line is a big deal. You know, you give up points immediately and especially in the game where you're playing Oregon state and they've got a good offense. Oregon state does have a good offense. That's, that's a mistake. That's a big mistake. 
the offensive line continues to struggle. This is a unit that was sort of highlighted as a positive point for this football team this year. And they really, they've kind of struggled. They've, I won't say kind of, they've struggled this year. And when you're going to play some important programs here, like next week with UCLA, um, and then you're going to play Oregon down the road here, uh, it's kind of a big issue. So offensive line really hopefully needs to figure some things out. Uh, The Beavers broke their nine game losing streak to the Huskies. Um, And the defense is just not the Husky defense that we've grown to know. And watching the game and seeing, you know, even seeing the highlights, you can really tell uh, giving up big runs and just not teams, just not the same defense. Isn't the same. And it really, I don't know if it's, you know, you can call it into coaching uh, as well as player effort, but it's uh, this team needs to figure some things out if they want to be, I'd say just a winning program this year. Um, So for stat leaders, uh, Dylan Morris completed 17 of his 26 attempts for 142 yards. He had one touchdown and one interception Uh, rushing Sean McGrew led on the ground with 16 attempts for 107 yards and two touchdowns. So good game by Sean there Uh, receiving wise Terrell Bynum led with five receptions for 61 yards and two uh, one touchdown. Pardon me. Um, Tackles Ed on, Edifon Ulufoshio had 16 total tackles, seven solo, and 0.5 tackles for loss. In the turnover department, Fatu, Fatui Tutuleli had one forced fumble, and Asa Turner had one interception. The team sits at a record of two and three. They are sixth in the Pac-12, uh, fourth in the Pac-12 North, uh, and their next game is October 16th versus UCLA. That's a big game, just considering the way that UCLA has played this year. Um, and you know, I mean, you go to two and four, I don't know, looks bad. Um, women's basketball news, uh, the NCAA will finally use the familiar March Madness branding on the court during the women's basketball tournament in an attempt to improve gender equality. So, uh, the tournaments will both now have the March Madness branding finally, because I mean, both tournaments are, have the same madness. I mean, especially if you looked at this year's tournament, so good to see that finally happening makes sense i mean when you think of college basketball i think of much madness so um that's a big deal there um no baseball news softball is playing a fall tournament uh it's not their official start to the season but they are playing a fall tournament and i do believe that the softball uh, facility is pretty close to being all finished up so that is also pretty cool to note there uh looking into men's soccer in their game recap for the past week on September 30th, they played number 13, San Diego State University. They would win that game one to nothing in overtime. Uh, player of the game would be Dylan Tevis scoring the winning goal in the 93rd minute. October 3rd versus number 23, UCLA. They would win that game two to one. Player of the game would be Iman Rosales with one goal on three shots, two of them being on target. Uh, the team record now sits at 9-0. and They are ranked second nationally and first in the Pac-12. Uh, Ryan Saylor was named player of the week uh, to the national team of the week. Their upcoming games, they will play October 7th versus Stanford on the road, and they will stay down in California on October 10th as they take on Cal. Um, Ooh, scary. Um, Women's soccer, uh, their game recap on September 30th, they would go down to Colorado to play the Buffaloes. They will lose the game one to two. Player of the game would be Vanessa Millsaps with one goal on three shots, one on target. 
October 3rd at Utah. They would tie that game one to one. Player of the game would be Mackenzie Weiner. Oh, well, I have a two player of the game. My apologies. Player of the game one would be Mackenzie Weiner with one goal on three shots, two on target. And Olivia Sakani with nine saves, tying a career high for a live. The team record now sits at two wins, five draws, and three losses. They are ranked unranked nationally and currently last in the Pac-12. Uh, October 7th, they will play Col- California. My apologies. So both teams going out of California. And October 10th, they will... Oh, no, 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 no. My apologies. October 7th, they come back home to play against California. And then October 10th, they stay at home to play Stanford. Uh, hitting into volleyball, October 1st, they played UCLA. They would win that game 3-2. Play of the game would be Claire Hoffman. October 3rd versus USC, they would play uh, versus USC. They would win that game 3-1. And then player of the game would be Samantha Drexel. Um, in team-related news, Marin Grote was named the Pac-12 Player of the Week with 15 blocks and 16 kills this past weekend. The team record now sits at 9-3. and three. They are ranked 11th nationally and 7th in the Pac-12. Their upcoming games are October 8th at Arizona and October 10th at Arizona State. So uh, a big week of Seattle sports. Uh, Seahawks getting an important victory against the Niners uh, and playing the Rams on Thursday here, which is a very important matchup. Uh, the Mariners, uh, you know, fighting to for the playoffs all the way until game 162, um, but being eliminated, but there's still... Very important, uh, not very important, very bright future for our Mariners. Uh, we'll get a season recap for you next week. The Sounders winning both of their matches this past week and playing an important Cascadia matchup against Vancouver. Um, the Storm with exit interviews about some potential free agency and you know big notes, big players to re-sign uh, and a season recap coming up for them as well. Um, Kraken playing some preseason games, uh, playing one of their final preseason games this coming week. Um, oh boy, stretch! Oh, the rain, uh, postponing their match against Portland, and some big news at the NWSL. Uh, oh, boy. oh, um, and then UW football losing a heartbreaker on a last. And a field goal, um, men's and women's soccer having, I'd say where they were good weeks. I know women's soccer lost to Colorado, but I'd say they were good week in a hole for both of them. Uh, and volleyball having a good week. So Seattle sports continues to roll on. I apologize uh, for my voice. I, mean, I kind of have a sore throat. Um, but regardless, I appreciate everybody who listened, everybody who tuned in. We will see you back next week um, on October 12th for the next episode of the Circling Shell Sports Podcast. Thank you and take care. Baba Bowie.